you're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. Okay, so I get to say the episode this time? You can. It's written down right there. Okay, it's episode 48. Yeah, 48. We're almost to 50. Oh, we're getting there. Yeah. Maybe if we worked a little harder, we'd get there faster. We could. We could do a mini episode in between, like in the middle of the week, and do it faster. Talk for like 10 minutes. Do we do that ever? <laughs> I talk for 10 minutes straight. I can do that. Uh, yeah, we could talk for a while. Easy. We could do like a... Uh, you know, a midweek episode if we ever got there, but we stay, we stay pretty busy anyway. I'm not going to commit to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very non-committal right I'm now. Not, I'm not committing to that right now. No, it would be fun to do like a mini-sode. That's mm-hmm. what people call them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't well, know what we would I'm, talk about. I've got some ideas. Oh, we've got a lot of ideas. Um, you know, but we're working on other stuff as well, and we haven't really put it out there, but we've been working on a... A little a, a video series on health and fitness. Yeah, we did some video last week with a client. It was really um, it was really fun. Mm-hmm. I like doing stuff like that. Trying to help someone go. Uh, oh, now the goals that this person has are super lofty, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. You should have lofty goals when, when you when you message your your nutritional therapy practitioner and say, "I want to lose sixty pounds in sixty days." My first response is always going to be, "Oh, that's not healthy. <laughs> Ooh, that's not that's not a good goal. That's not going to happen." But you know, but, we're dealing with someone that uh, does you know live a little extreme at times, so. So that's not bad, and and they're they're not completely unrealistic about it. They understand that uh, that goal was more of it just sounded cool. It does sound cool, though it it rhymes. It rhymes sixty pounds in sixty days, right? You and, know, and he so. even admitted that that's what he did, and he understands it. And he also has not only you know he wants to lose weight, but he has performance goals as well. And that's where we're helping him. We're helping him with you know the nutrition of of what do you eat and how do you fuel that type of effort, and then. Performance. What do you What do you do? What do your workouts look like? How much should you work out? What is too much working out? Those are things that a lot of people uh, just don't understand. And most people, especially guys, would be like, "We just work out harder every day." Yeah, and that that kind of is how someone like him would be because he's from a similar career career field yeah. to yours. So he's not unaccustomed to hard work. No. We know that. No, he's he's definitely, you know, it goes back to anything else. You find motivation for, he's like me, he's retired. So uh, oftentimes, you know, uh, performance goals are what you use to get you motivated to start doing something because it's hard to just work out every day with no real goal, uh, no real measurement, no real place you're going uh, because that's what I struggle with all the time is I don't have... I don't have events or challenges that I do that I'm working towards. I'm just working out every day. And sometimes you lose motivation to really push yourself. You know, I've kind of, in, in that 
topic of motivation, I've kind of put myself in a place where I'm trying to connect with people on social media. Mm -hmm. Social media isn't always the best place um, in the world to be, you know, it can be whatever. Um, But I'm trying to connect, use it positively and connect with some people who are like-minded, especially um, women who are over a certain age. Um, We're talking like over 45. Right. You know, minimum over 40. Like you're a baby now if you're over, if you're just 40. You got to be over 40. So you got to be over 40. So I'm trying to connect with some women who are my age or older who I can learn something from and have that as something that fuels me every day. One person I've connected with in particular is a lady named Helen Taylor on Instagram. I just stumbled across her stuff just looking up workout stuff and CrossFit hashtags. And she's 51. She's a CrossFit trainer. She's a master's athlete. She has a black belt um, in martial arts. And she's a cyclist, a marathoner. And she's freaking amazing. She's like everything I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) And so I connected with her. And she's actually going to be on our podcast next week, which will be a fun one because we'll be able to talk about how you do all these things, aging, but I I go to her page shamelessly every day and I wait for her to post on her IG stories so I can see what she's doing. So then I can go outside and try to do it too. Right. You know, (laughs) and um, so that kind of helps me because I don't have anyone I'm competing against except myself right now. Well, and, and that's how, you know, how you get motivation is different for everyone. It's sometimes it's just, you know, your goals, either losing weight or performance goals. Or like you said, you watch a video of someone doing something. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be working out. It could be uh, hiking, camping, uh, you know, making knives. Uh, you know, it could be anything. I like how you go to making knives. You know, making knives. Um, <laughs> well, because people have hobbies and those are cool hobbies, uh, you know. And, and for us, like a hobby is working out and, you know, nutrition and performance. So uh, that's our hobby for the most part. So you look to other people to find out what they're doing because that's, you know, that's often how people get motivation you know what inspiration. I, you know what I did yesterday on rest day? I watched a lot of workouts while you were out <laughs> building stuff with your dad. Oh, you were building me a box. Yeah, we, box built, we built a box. That's going to be fun. So watch out for that. There might be like some scary videos. It was of, a feat of engineering. Oh we built a box. God. So that's going to also be a feat for me to use it regularly because, mm-hmm. you know, coordination is a big deal. But... So, I watched all these workout videos yesterday, a lot of CrossFit stuff. I found this one. It was uh, Kara Saunders. She's CrossFit. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. And I watched this workout. It was like an open workout from 2017. And I was like, oh, that looks like a fun workout. So, I went out this morning and I was like, I'm going to do that workout. Don't watch someone that's an elite level athlete do a workout and then go try to do that workout because it feels sad. Yeah. You just feel sad. I was like, I'm sad. That, that, that often happens. That happens with me because I'll watch, you know, same thing, videos of people doing things. The Tour de France. Oh, I can do the Tour de France. It's easy. They just, it's real fun. Or somebody runs a hundred miles, you know, and you're like, oh wow, just run a hundred miles. It seemed like it's, you know, watching it on the couch, it seems like it's really easy. Yeah, it doesn't seem that bad. No, it's not hard at all. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, and you got to watch that on Instagram or, or social media of people posting things because you don't know what they're doing behind the scenes 
or if they're actually being always truthful. We know people that are uh, keto bandwagoners uh, that we've seen, especially last week we saw someone that was on you know a popular daytime TV show talking about uh, keto and how you should be doing it, knowing that that person just came into this space. Yeah, and I know everybody, you know, has their moment where they just come to this, but sometimes I feel like, you know, there are so many people out there, it's like you you didn't just switch like all of a sudden to keto, you switched it at the time when it was hot so you could write another book right. and sell another book. <laughs> yes. Because you totally switched from being like start your day with fruit only to now intermittent fasting. And I just, I don't know. I always take that stuff with a grain of salt. And I'm like, when I listen to it, I just hear regurgitation, which is what you do when you learn stuff. You regurgitate. I'm going to do some of that today. Yeah. I learned oh, yeah. some stuff this last week. And I'm just going to regurgitate it to you guys. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you just watch people and you're like, no. Are you genuine? Yeah. Are you a, are you really doing this? No, and and the thing is, is we fi- we still feel new to the space. You know, keto. We've been doing it for four years, but we we feel like we're always learning something new. So, when you have someone that has a large following and they switch from being something that's not anything close to being uh, a ketogenic diet or even a paleo kind of diet, and they flip the switch, and and we're glad they're pushing that word because they have a greater reach than we do, but. Sometimes you want to, you just like, man, is that person just trying to make money off other people? Well, I, I just don't like some of this. I don't like some of the, the thing. I'm going to hop on the intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell people in their eating window, they can still have pasta. I'm not a fan of that. Right. <laughs> that's where you, that's where you lose me. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm checking out now. Yep. Nothing against you if it works for you. That's just not my. That's not my. That's not my bag. Well, and it goes back to we're all different. So this one person who has a lot of influence pushes what works for them, what's working for them currently, and saying that that's what everyone should do. That's when you got to put on the brakes because uh, you know what that person's doing is not necessarily going to work for you, and you have to know that. Exactly. And that's kind of where, you know, we all go through that. We think something's working for us. So, oh my gosh, this will work for everyone. Everybody should do this. Everybody should do a carnivore diet. (laughs) Everybody should do a keto diet. Everybody should be paleo. You know what? Really, everybody should. The one should is you should just eat real food. Correct. That's the one thing. That's that's the one you should. Very consistent. Eat real food. Don't eat fake food. That, you know... I love going to our Walmart now, and I can't believe I just said that because I hate going to Walmart. (laughs) But I like going and seeing, like, every time right now we go, there is a new keto food. So, or there's something that's not really just that it's keto. It's they've added something like a mayonnaise made from 100% avocado oil or, or olive oil not soybean and canola oil. And I get excited about that because mm-hmm. if we could push out those industrial seed oil industry products, That'd I think we would be so much healthier. Be totally Just awesome. Across the board. Not that you could replace those oils in Oreos and it'd be healthier, but they probably weren't so bad when they were made with beef fat or coconut oil or whatever they used before. Right. Now, when we say we, we dislike going to Walmart, that's not because of Walmart or, or 
Anything. It's just there's a lot of people there. I don't like to go grocery shopping anymore. <laughs> I, I find I, it to be like um, I like to go when nobody's there. That's the that's the thing. And then Walmart, there's always a lot of people there. There seems to be even to in be. ours. Ours isn't that bad. No, but it's ours not. is less crowded than most. We live out in nowhere land. But so so uh, so one of the things we wanted to talk about today uh, is is again stuff that happened to us that we think might be good information for people out there to know. Right, because uh, you know, if you're if you're experimenting with your diet, sometimes things happen and you place the blame in the wrong place. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so this last couple of weeks, I've talked about adding in carbs. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell anybody that that's going to work for them just because it it might have worked for me. But here's the thing: it didn't work for me. Well, I'm. But you thought it was working. I thought it was working, and. We're going to dial back to some issues that I had previously, and it was just kind of like serendipitous Mm -hmm. that I listened to a couple of podcasts this last week with a certain person who I've been following for a while named Sally Norton, and I've learned a lot about oxalates recently Um, and in the recent past. When we went carnivore, I had a lot of issues that were coming up and a lot of previous issues that I didn't know what in the world they were related to. I mm-hmm. couldn't figure out why my skin always itched on my shins, why I had, and sorry, close your ears if you don't want to hear this, some vaginal pain, um, why I had some rashes in other areas on my skin. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, we went carnivore. Maybe it was cheese. Maybe it was all these things. I started trying to really peel this back. So we went carnivore for the year, right? Mm -hmm. I still had a lot of those issues. If you've listened to past podcasts, you know that some of the things that happened to me was I had um, on one of my fingers, I had what's called a a Bouchard's node come up. And it was like, I thought I was getting uh, arthritis. I couldn't bend my finger very well. It was really painful. Um, It was right at the time I was doing the nutritional therapy practitioner program and I was having to do all these palpations with that particular finger too. So I would be like, I'm not going to be able to do this kind of work because the finger hurts so bad. My finger hurts. Exactly. (laughs) Well, now your back's going to hurt. And we were really doing, exactly. We were really (laughs) doing pretty well with the carnivore diet. And I just thought, well, you know, everybody knows we had diarrhea. We did all that stuff. We had digestive issues. Digestive issues. And everything normalized. So let's, the the node went away on Mm -hmm. my finger. Yep. Let's flash forward a little bit. We got really comfortable doing carnivore. Mm-hmm. Guess what we started doing? We started bragging about, hey, we're ketivore because we're eating whipped cream and... A little uh, bit of berries. Yeah. Okay. I did exactly what I tell people not to do. I blamed my carnivore diet for some things that were starting to come back up, mm-hmm. like sleep issues. Yeah. But I didn't want to look at the fact that I was eating chocolate whipped cream with some berries, a little bit of peanut butter, and a piece of dark chocolate almost every single night. Hmm. What What did those things contain that every, would cause that? Everything except for the whipped cream <laughs> contains oxalates. Mm-hmm. And I had a problem with oxalates before. I had the huge oxalate dump. I had a lot of issues um, I had some sleep disorder, uh, a little bit of sleep disturbance when we first went carnivore. It got really good. 
then now all of a sudden, recently, since January, I looked back in my, because I keep food journals Mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah, and and journals about how you feel, what happens, rashes, things. Yeah, rashes, sleep, digestion, all those different things. And I looked back and I realized, wow, I've been having sleep like problems like insomnia, to be specific, trouble going to sleep since January. It's getting to be a long time. Yeah. Well, I looked back a little further and realized we had started eating the berries and whipped cream long before that. Mm -hmm. Then I started making all the desserts with almond flour. Guess what has a lot of oxalates? Mm, Almond Almond flour. flour. All right. I know. So I started developing the rashes again. I started developing the vaginal pain again. I had the insomnia already, and I had to. I was trying to fix the insomnia with more oxalates. Basically, I was adding <laughs> sweet potato, some other vegetables, and I had to stop and look at what I was doing. And luckily, um, I realized oh, maybe I just need to peel it all back and right. do carnivore again. So I told you that's what I was going to do. I'm just going to go back to the basics. When I did. The two days after doing that, my eyes just, I told you I went to uh, Target and I was like, I think I got pink eye from some dirty person. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're touching things at the store and you touch your face. The next morning I woke up, my eyes were just glued shut. So I thought, oh, you know, I probably got pink eye from somebody. Yeah. No. No. Turns out when oxalates want to get out of your body, what, what do they do? I had no idea they come out your eyes. And 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 so this was very interesting because this happened to her. Uh, she had the information that that she could correlate. And then we we flashed back last summer when our son uh, Stephen had sty. He had he had two styes. They would not go away either. Right, and they were they were impressive. Like you they know, they were huge. They were huge. Like I was like, wow, holy holy mackerel! You that's did a the Trump voice. They were huge. They My, were the best styes. They're, they're the best styes. They're huge. Um, so, and at the time we did not connect those two because well, I had um, never heard of it, never heard of it. So and this is a great point to make for anybody that's messing with your diet, because what will happen off time is, is people are like, all right, I'm going to go uh, keto or carnivore or even as simple as paleo and about a couple months into it or so many weeks into it, they'll have an issue, a rash, a sty, uh, a nodule on their finger, um, any of things. And what will they do? They'll blame the current diet. Correct. And that is exactly what we see people do all the time. And then I somehow um, got blinders on this last few months and did that to myself. And I think when (laughs) I tell people all the time, whatever food you're having a hard time giving up is usually the food that's the problem. (laughs) And... Almost 99% of the time, this is true. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to give up the berries, the whipped cream, the chocolate, the peanut butter at all. Like, I was like, did not want to give it up. Didn't want to quit eating sweet potato at night. I thought it was going to help me sleep. But when I did, all of this stuff started coming out of my body again. And now I understand. I listened to a podcast with Sally talking about, she just casually mentioned, people will get styes. Um, they'll wake up with an, an abnormal amount of sleep in their eyes and they'll think they have an eye infection. It was right after that happened to me and I was like, holy crap, I didn't have pink eye. I had oxalate coming yeah. out of my eyeballs. 
So, and, and that's so, so important to know because we dealt with early on when we, when we went carnivore, uh, within the first 30 days, dealt with the, the digestive issues, you know? Yeah. And that's the big thing is your, your, di- your digestive system, uh, you know, changing to better, you know, not produce, better um, digest what you're eating. Um, so, and that, well, and that was a big deal. So, and that was obvious. It was upfront and in our face. Yeah. And we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Your, your gut bacteria is there based on what you're eating. It's not just like you have this set, set, you right. know, the standard set of gut bacteria that never changes. Right. And so if you eat the wrong thing, you're going to be in trouble. Your gut bacteria adjusts to what you're eating. And yes, we had all of that going on. But now that I, now I've gone back carnivore for the last several days, and now I'm having all those reactions again. Like I'm having the diarrhea. My gut bacteria is having to change again because I added things in that weren't there before. Now I'm taking them back out. And I could blame the carnivore diet, right? Mm-hmm. But really, it was all the other stuff that I was adding in on top of it that was causing a problem. And guess what? Last night, I slept really, really good. I didn't have any carbs. I had a ribeye steak before, you know, for dinner. Um, Yesterday was a total carnivore day, and I slept great without any carbs. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, I don't want to blame the meat, as they say, for what all the other crap did. And, and, and you know, we, we do this just like everyone else will do this. When we talk to someone first about their diet, they'll they'll tell us all the all the big things that they're eating. But they will leave out the little things like, like we mentioned. Like uh, we just took for granted that the heavy whipping cream and the small amount of berries was, was good for us because – because berries have always been been pushed as as good for you, so right. how, so how can they be bad? And this brings up another point because you know then we started doing a, a lot more research on oxalates and and symptoms, and it came across some really significant finds because uh, Melody was reading that in in children who who have autism, they test higher for oxalates in their urine. Yeah, and you know when you think about it, it's a gut bacteria problem as well for. A child with autism and when you take away the foods high in oxalates a lot of times the first thing is the grains the potatoes you know all of those things and if you want a good list of oxalate um, content in food we'll post that in the show notes I'll put the link for that I do have it there's a lot of really bad ones out there but I did get this information from another podcast it was the HPO podcast with Sean Baker and Zach Bitter when they had Sally on and you can get it there too but knowing what foods are high in oxalate a lot of them correspond to promoting some bad gut bacteria like Mm -hmm. candida overgrowth some fungal overgrowth different things like that which would be why a child with autism would have more problem because they have a, they they can't digest those proteins and well, gluten. Well, and, and, and this is why it's important to us because we have grandchildren and important for you guys listening who have have children or, or maybe you're you know having some grandkids later on um, is that is autism doesn't show up initially. It's not like you have a baby and they're like, oh, it's autistic. Right. It's not always like that. It happens over time, which it happened over time with the with the, our son Stephen. He wasn't. He was okay, and we can link his his behavior issues to when he got pneumonia and had an overdose of antibiotics, and that caused behavioral issues. But 
for a child, usually between the one and two is when they really start, parents start questioning whether or not their child is autistic or not. And and it's important to correlate that because when they bring them off of, of breast milk, usually they start feeding them baby food. And what is the most of baby food that people feed their babies? A most common baby food. Well, you start, you know, with rice cereal. So that's obviously a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But then one of the big things is sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are super high in oxalate. And spinach. Spinach. Sweet potatoes. There's a lot of baby foods that are super high in oxalate. So, so that's really important to know that you know babies. You're bringing them right off of of the healthiest food that they can possibly consume, which is mother's milk, high in saturated fat and you know monounsaturated, and and it's re- very healthy, low in uh, almost no carbohydrates. And then you start them off with carbohydrates and oxalates. Yeah, and so let's talk a little bit about what an oxalate is. Mm-hmm. So it's a chemical compound within you know, a plant, it, cool thing, it's not in animal products. Not in animal products. That's interesting. Mm, yeah. So an oxalate is like a crystal. You think of it like a broken glass. That's how I think of it. So it's a, there's soluble and insoluble oxalates. So if it's soluble oxalate, which if you look at spinach, spinach and almonds are way up on the list mm-hmm. of like, I've been making a lot of almond flour desserts, and I feel like a bad person right now for well, feeding so many people oxalates. Uh, almonds but, is pushed as healthy, and people will snack on them all the time. All the time. And then when you take it and you make it into almond flour, now it's like super potent for... It's basically, you're turning it into an oxalate poison. <laughs> so I feel bad. But here's the thing. Why are they bad? Oxalate is a crystal. What does it do? Well, it can get it can it can get lodged in your tissue, and that's where when you get the rashes, I describe it as it feels like you got into that pink fiberglass, and mm-hmm. it's really scratchy, itchy, and it kind of burns. So it feels like that externally, or you know, in the rashes, or the they're ish, they're itchy, or in the vaginal pain, which is terrible. And there's a whole world of people out there. We'll, we'll talk about that later, or we'll post a link for that situation. Um, interesting stuff. But the oxalates, they bind to calcium in your body. So you have to urinate them out. You have to, to get them out. There's no other way but to urinate them out, vomit them out, or I think they can be carried out through feces. Um, so they go out through your colon. So there's, you know, there's really no way for like your liver to um, take care of them. They have to be expelled from the body. You can sweat them out. They come out. The reason why the rashes happen is because they're trying to push through the pores of the skin. Mm -hmm. And the goo in the eye, that's also like they, in the styes, they're trying to come out of glands in the skin. And that's so, it's just so crazy Mm because when you see them under a microscope, they look like little shards of glass. And my eyes felt like I had rubbed fiberglass on my eyes. It was terrible. It's crazy. And um, so they bind to calcium. If you have an overabundance of oxalates all at one time, let's say you ate a big green smoothie made with spinach and kale and all kinds. Oh, and almond butter. Maybe you threw some almond milk in there. Right. So you have an oxalate smoothie. The problem with this is a lot of people will experience heart arrhythmia, because it binds to calcium and it you have to urinate a lot, typically. Mm-hmm. And so it's pulling all the calcium out of your body. 
And it's lowering your calcium level in your blood, which is causing heart arrhythmia. So interesting. Something I dealt with a lot was an arrhythmia for for an extended period of time. I would go to sleep and my heart was it was skipping beats, it was beating irregular, it was beating very heavy. And, right. And we had that for a certain period of time and, and really couldn't put our finger on exactly what it was. Uh, I took some calcium, I, I changed magnesium, and then kind of all of a sudden it just it went away and it, it hasn't been back. And one interesting thing, we went carnivore, you switched, you stopped eating cashews, so many cashews for a snack, <laughs> and I stopped feeding you green smoothies. Yeah, we and, did that prior, you know, or for a certain period of time. And so, you know, we can't blame it all on the oxalates, we're not for sure, but it is, it is interesting mm-hmm. that if someone has, there's a lethal dose of oxalates, did you know that? I did not know that. So I I don't want to say the numbers wrong. I think it's from anywhere from three grams to thirty grams of oxalate can cause sudden death. That's a big discrepancy. Right, and that's something that people like. How many people out there know that you could, you could have sudden death from an oxalate overdose? And the reason why is because of the binding to the calcium, and people will have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So. That's a little bit scary. Yeah. So when you sit down to your next almond flour-based keto dessert, do you know if you're the three-gram person or the 30-gram well, person? And, and that's, or your big, giant green smoothie? And it's important because the blame, uh, again, you know, they've been blaming fat and cholesterol, and they blame sodium, uh, and all those things are essential for living. Like, you, you have to have sodium. You have to have cholesterol. You have to have those things. They're very important to live a healthy life. You don't need oxalates. No, and you know, we talked about our dog getting sick not long ago. A couple, you know, how mm-hmm. he got sick. Yep. He ate a bunch of grass. And in all of this oxalate study, one thing they did with, they, they used dogs. I don't think you could get away with this now. No, you would not. But This they, is a horrible study. It's terrible. But they put oxalates in a dog's stomach. I think they use cats too. And they tied off the stomach. A doctor, a researcher tied off their stomach so that they couldn't vomit them up because that's the first thing that a dog or a cat will do. And what they did was they waited to see how long it would take for the dog or the cat to die. And that's because the oxalates are poison, poison yeah. to the dog. And so now when we look back the last couple of weeks and our dog ate a bunch of grass, I guess he and I were like, we were doing the uh, death wish <laughs> weeks on oxalates because he, you know, he had severe diarrhea. He threw up. He was throwing up green. Mm-hmm. He was pooping water. And that was an oxalate problem. His body does not absorb those. And he has to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Well, now, it's also important. Now, again, it's a horrible study. We, I, I, I hate even knowing the information because um, we have pets. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's important for people who, because so, some people get bariatric surgery. Yeah. This was so interesting. Um, if you have bariatric surgery, apparently it makes you more sensitive to oxalates, it mm-hmm. makes your uh, uh, it makes them more bioavailable to your body, which means you can absorb them. You will have more of a sensitivity to them. So uh, you know anyone that's had bariatric surgery, their goal is to lose weight. So they're trying to, as as Betty Draper puts it, they're trying to reduce. 
I loved They're that. trying to reduce. Um, you know, which is, most of us are trying to lose a few pounds. That, that's normal. But uh, they get the advice. So they have this bariatric surgery, and then they get the advice from their dietitian or their doctor to eat lots of healthy greens. So they're going to mm-hmm. eat a lot of salad with a lot of spinach, with a lot of kale, probably snack on some nuts because they'll tell them to do that as well. Now you've taken someone and you've, you've made them, uh, you know, predisposed to uh, absorbing more oxalates, and then you make them eat a lot of oxalates. And, the, and, and why is that? Well, first of all, the doctors don't know. No, they, they don't. They just don't know. And really, the only person that I know of right now who's beating this drum pretty hard is Sally Norton. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because she had so much trouble in her life that led her on this discovery of oxalates. And that's what happens to all of us. I mean... My insomnia, your knee pain, um, someone else you might have, you know, a heart issue or whatever you have, diabetes. These are the things that put us on a path to discovery. And so she's the one talking about this. And there's a lot of doctors like she was talking about how in her education at Cornell, there was like a, a one inch paragraph in a book about oxalates. <laughs> and she has a, you know, a degree in nutrition. A master's. Um, I, I think, I don't know if it's a master's or not, but she's well-educated. And she's... She reads some. She, yeah, she does a lot of research. She has a whole website about oxalates. And um, if you're interested in that, it's sallyknorton.com. You can find the information there. But she's like one of the only people that I know of that she's how I learned about them. Mm-hmm. Because I was searching for all my different symptoms. I was using Dr. Google, you know, and searching for all the things I was going through. And months and months ago when we were doing carnivore at first, I started stumbling on oxalate rashes because I had these rashes that were just like driving me crazy. I was waking up scratching myself to death. And I love Dr. Google. The two, the two biggest sites that I've noticed that, I've, that I think give some of the worst advice is WebMD mm-hmm. and the Mayo Clinic. Like both of oh, those, yeah. they give some of the worst advice that I've come across where you think those would be the places where you would get the best advice. But again, uh, as we've talked about before, the medical, uh, in general, the medical education that the, the doctors get has failed us miserably. Um, you know, doctors don't make you healthy anymore. They just give you more medications. I know... That's not 100% all doctors, but um, we work with people. Trust me, we they tell us what their doctors tell them, and it's and not it's, good. It's scary. <laughs> and what's crazy is you go to the Mayo Clinic, you go to WebMD or something, and maybe you look up oxalates. You're not going to get very good information. But there's even a vegan health, like .com or .org mm-hmm. a, a website, and they have a whole section on oxalates because vegans are going to eat a lot of oxalate-containing food. <laughs> yes, they are. And so they have a lot of warnings on there about what to look for, you know, people who shouldn't eat green smooth or drink green smoothies. Um, if you have uh, oxalate kidney stones, because that's something that happens to people. Right. Uh, it can even cause neurological problems having oxalates. But another thing is when you take them all out suddenly like we did, you can also have a lot of dumping of oxalates, which, ca- which causes a lot of problems. So there are ways to do it. There are low-oxalate vegetables. You don't have to give them up. There's low-oxalate fruits. If you're one of those interesting people that love to eat their vegetables. I know. Steve hates all vegetables. <laughs> and you know, again, out. That ties back to a lot of the reasons why I've never had a cavity. 
Um, I was, you know, I was uh, skinny and athletic growing up my entire, you know, uh, life as a, as a kid. And I, I didn't like pasta. I never ate spaghetti or macaroni, uh, macaroni or, um, you know, I didn't like rice. I, I didn't what like weird. I didn't like hardly any fruit. <laughs> I basically ate a ton of pork chops. Yeah. Um, that's you know what I remember eating the most as a kid, and you know some hamburger helper type food. You know, and I would just pick the meat out and not eat the rice. So I avoided a lot of the foods that um, you know that we talk about avoiding as a kid, just naturally. I ate all your share. I hated spinach. Oh my god! I oh, would, I did I too. would throw spinach directly in the floor and take the beating. I'd take the <laughs> ass whooping rather than eat spinach. I'm gonna go across the street and ask your dad. Oh, he t- trust me. His frustrations with me as a kid and not eating my vegetables is is very uh, uh, awesome memory for me. But now your dad <laughs> doesn't like to eat them either. No, he doesn't. <laughs> it's so great. Your dad, by the way. Has he looks awesome? No, oh yeah, he's you know he'll be he'll be seventy in July, and we poured concrete on Saturday. Yeah, so we were out a, a solid. It was a solid four hour pour, and anyone that's pouring concrete know that that when you're pouring concrete for four straight hours, that's a, that's a butt whooping. Yeah, it is. It's a difficult process. A lot of shoveling, a lot of moving. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, screeing stuff off. It's a it's a hard job. If you've never poured concrete, go out there and pour concrete. It's a lot of fun. I know. Both of our dads did concrete. Did concrete, right. So so he's almost 70 out there running the show, pouring concrete, doing all the jobs. I, I have to pull him back all the time. I'm like, Dad, don't do this. Get get one of, get this 25-year-old kid over here to do that who's not doing anything. But your dad has no belly. No, no, like, he doesn't. He's 70 yeah. now. When we first moved back, your dad was pregnant. <laughs> and he looked 10 months pregnant. Yeah, he did. And he has no belly now. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't. It's amazing. And that's all from just diet. And he's he's just as active as he was before because he's always been active. Mm-hmm. But he just like... And it was easy for him. That's why women hate that because it's so much harder for women. Well, and, and he recently went to, he, he just went to the doctor. Uh, it was actually went to an eye doctor and they asked him what medications he was on and he said none. And he was talking about how the, the, the person didn't believe him. Yeah. And that's funny. That's sad. It, but it's, it's sad. It's comical. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, come on. You, you have to be on some medications. No, I'm on no medications. Ah, oh, that's crazy. And that's awesome to be 70 on, on nothing. Right. But that's th- those are the outliers. Those, those aren't the normal people anymore. Well, they tell you all the bad stuff is just normal. It's normal part of aging. So to be on blood pressure medication, a statin, some diabetes medication, yep. you know, blood thinner, all the things that people get put on as they get older, sleep mm-hmm. medication... So much stuff. And, yeah. and you know, the goal is to not take anything, not take any medication, to just to just eat a healthy food. Now, we supplement. We take some extra magnesium and, and sometimes some vitamin C and, and a multivitamin. And, you know, those could just be because we've been, so, we've been so brainwashed <laughs> to do it. It's like, it's like cleaning your plate. You don't yeah. always have to clean your plate. You can leave some food and maybe even throw it away, God forbid, um, but you know, we, we talk about that all the time, how I, I'm so brainwashed to clean my plate because I heard it at every evening it's at dinner. Probably because you were throwing food in the floor. Because I was feeding food to the dog. Yeah. You better clean your plate. Uh, you probably, you're going to sit there all night long. Well, my parents finally gave up because I would sit there all night long. 
I would just sit there. Are you stubborn? I don't know. No, I'm not stubborn at all. (laughs) I was just I was just having a battle of the wills, and I wanted to win. I know. There's the train. There's the train. Uh, So, so anyway, it's you know if if you've never heard of oxalates, you should do some research. The train is very excited about oxalates. I think it's louder on a on a cloudy day. I do too. It's like it carries more. It, it does. It. it does. Totally does. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, check into oxalates. If you have some weird issues that you you haven't been able to determine exactly what it is, um, there's a possibility that you could have you know some oxalate dumping or some weird reaction. Yeah, and you don't want to do what the nutritionist did, <laughs> which is to blame the good foods on you know the problems you're having on the good foods and not really look at what you're eating the best advice i always give people i think is to keep the food journals um you don't have to write down macros and all all these different like portions but just what you ate how you felt Mm -hmm. and how you slept and your digestion those are key points you know because without that i wouldn't have been able to go back and look and go, oh, look here, we started adding this dessert way back here. It took this long for the sleep to decline. And then I blamed the meat. The most bioavailable food that I have in my diet, I blamed it. And thought that I needed to add some less lesser than foods like carbs to well, correct it. You've got to change things up every once in a while to learn. You know, every day is a learning experience for everyone out there. So so don't be afraid to try things. But again, if you're going to try things and change things up, you better be keeping a journal to know what did or did not work. Yeah, and, and, and you know, when things, like you said, when things do start coming out, let's say it's two weeks after you start a new diet, don't blame the new diet. Sometimes it's the old crap that your body's trying to process from the previous way you were right. eating. And it's trying to get rid of some things. And that is that happens a lot because we're on a lot of the uh, you know social media forums on Facebook or Instagram, and people will always pop up and say, I've been doing this for two weeks, or I've been doing this for one month, and I'm having all these uh, issues pop up. Do you think I should stop? Should I quit? Most often, it's just you got to work yourself. Th- just keep going. Just work yourself through it. Yes, so I have to thank you for putting up with me through my dietary schizophrenia (laughs) in the last few weeks. Because when you have insomnia, you just start losing your mind, I think. Oh, man. Insomnia is, is, for anybody out there that has to deal with it, it's difficult. And But doing the hard work to get rid of it is worth it. It is. It's absolutely worth it. Last night, I had a good night of sleep, even after Game of Thrones. No spoilers, (laughs) but even after that episode, I still slept really good. (laughs) I did. I did have a little bit of uh, a time laying in bed trying to relax from the the battle. Shh! You can't give spoilers okay, away. Who doesn't know that there's a battle? No one even knows anything. <laughs> there's a battle coming. There's people that never watched an episode of Game of Thrones. Winter showed the hell up. Let me tell you that right now. Oh my gosh! If you're not a Game of Thrones person, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, does uh, enough for this week. Uh, again, pay, uh, pay attention. Next week, we're going to uh, interview Helen Taylor. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. And you can go follow her on Instagram at Helen Taylor Fitness, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week because we'll have her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. We'll get to see each other in person. Like, well, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> It'll be on video, but you'll just get the audio. Right. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, hope everyone has a great week. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tasco Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.